Uh, if you weren't here for that, uh, we would encourage you to get online, or we do have a few discs left that we could give you. You could take one on your way out today and, uh, and to listen to that. And then we also looked at the story of creation and then the story of Adam and Eve over the last couple weeks. And as we look at the book of Genesis, I want to just challenge us in our thinking that Genesis really is the first book in the Bible. It's very um, foundational to our faith as we look at the stories. And the, the idea and the reason we're look going through Genesis is that because God's word is life to us and there's transformation that's possible as we look at these stories and we glean from the characters in these stories. We talked about at the very beginning that Moses wrote the book of Genesis. He didn't write it, you know, right after creation. It was, he was looking back on creation when he wrote the creation account in Genesis 1 and 2. He didn't know Adam and Eve, but he's looking back at the stories and he's writing these out. And he's writing to the people of Israel at a time of history uh, for the Israelites that they were wandering in the desert. They needed some foundation. They needed to be encouraged by the stories that had been passed down from, from generation to generation. And Moses says, I'm going to write these down. And I would say the same is true for us today, that Genesis speaks to us. And we can find ourselves in the stories each week as we look at these different characters um, through Genesis. And again, we, we talked about the story of creation. And we, we said that the story of creation was all about God. It was God in the beginning. It was God at the end of the day. It was God in the middle of the day. It was what God spoke. And, and then the second week, we looked at God's creation. His, his greatest creation was mankind. And, uh, and how we were created in God's image. And because we were created in God's image, we should be able to look in the mirror and be able to reflect some of the character of God. And there, that is an incredible challenge for us. And then last week, we looked at our sin nature, the fact that Adam and Eve, they messed up. We understood that. But then we looked at the possibility of grace. How many are thankful for grace in our lives? And we kind of ended last week looking at the, 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 the garments that, that Adam and Eve were provided, that God provided, were garments of grace. And even the fact that Adam and Eve were kicked out of the Garden of Eden, Eden were, was a measure of God's grace, of protection. And God wants to extend that grace to us. Now, as we continue through the book of Genesis, this morning, we're going to look at chapters 4, 5, 6, and 7, 8, and 9, and we're going to take some big uh, chunks here. Um, but what I want us to see from a big picture uh, is that what happened after Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, they all of a sudden had this sin nature, and it was, there was a pattern of evil established. Now, everything wasn't evil, but certainly their sin natures kicked in, and, uh, and we see that very evident in the story of Cain and Abel, if you've been reading through Genesis, and you see that in chapter 4. And then in chapter 5, you see the progression from Adam all the way to Noah. And as you read through the different, uh, the different generations, there were some good things that happened. In fact, uh, one of the great things, uh, one of the characters we read in that particular uh, section of Scripture is about Enoch. And uh, how many would love to have walked with God so intimately that God said, I'm not waiting for eternity. I want you right now. And boom, he's up in heaven for eternity. Enoch, what a story. But then there were some not so great parts of the story as well as you read through those things. And today I want to kind of land uh, that, you know, look at that pattern of evil um, because I think it's going to help us understand the story of Noah perhaps a little bit better. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 6, all right? Genesis chapter 6. And by this point in Scripture, listen to the account of mankind. Just a few generations after Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, listen to what was said about the people. Verse number five. It says, The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart were only evil. And then it says, 
all the time. Wow. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and that every inclination and the thoughts of his heart were always on evil. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth and his heart was filled with pain. Just let that sit in. What God had created and the prize of his creation was mankind. And a few generations in, he's now saying that he was grieved. He was sorry that he even made man. And you know, as I sat with that this week, as I said, God, just, you know, uh, speak to my heart in regards to that particular passage. What was revealed in my heart is I wonder how much different it is in today's culture. What's happening in our world, the wickedness, the violence, greed, uh, the promiscuous lifestyle uh, that is so prevalent, uh, prevalent, that's not the right word, prevalent, thank you, rebellion and wars, uh, you know, the media and news, uh, and you know, it's crazy, it's inside the church as well as outside of the church, we are evil in uh, inside of us there's a sin nature inside of us and i don't want to be a downer to start but the fact is is that we live in a world that is very very corrupt i want you to fast forward with me to matthew chapter 24 because it it reflects on noah and uh and it's interesting in uh, chapter 24 it's talking about the signs of the end of the age when jesus is going to return we call that the rapture or the blessed hope that he's coming back for us and uh matthew 24 says watch out for these things and it kind of lists some things nations will rise against nation kingdom against kingdom there will be earthquakes and famines and uh such and then if you fast forward um in Chapter uh, 24, verse 37, it says, And it will be like the days of Noah when Christ returns. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day that Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. There's a warning here. As we look at what happened in Noah's age, and and God was displeased. He's saying, you know, there's devastation. There's there's, uh, corruptness. There's evil everywhere. And I wonder today what God, how he looks at us. And I wonder, Lord, are you coming soon? And I believe indeed that he is. When it says there that they were eating and drinking and marrying, I kind of see in Noah's time before the flood that they were living life without God at the center. They were maybe apathetic to godly things, to the word of the Lord. Maybe they were content in where they were. Maybe they were stagnant in their faith. Maybe their hearts had become hardened. And is there a parallel today? in the church or in our society compared to Noah's day? I think there is, if we take a good hard look. And we have need to be warned. And then, in all of this, in Genesis chapter 6, back, turn back with me to Genesis 6, there's a character named Noah that stands out, that finds favor with God. And we see that Noah... He's righteous, he's considered blameless, he's obedient at several different points through the story. He is faithful, beyond faithful. Did you know that it took 120 years to build the ark? I can't concentrate on anything more than a week sometimes. 120 years! And then it was interesting, as I was studying this story, this is a total side note, 
uh, you know, you think about Noah and his faithfulness. You know, he ends up in the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. And you, of course, we know that. But it's interesting that even in the last few days before God uh, shut the ark's door, it says that Noah had entered the ark seven days prior while the animals were coming. And just think about the faithfulness in those last days. Okay, I've spent 120 years, and now you have to wait again? And the animals are there saying, okay, God. And he was faithful to the end. And what I want us to see, though, is that Noah not only was righteous and blameless and obedient and all those things, and really that's one of the reasons, those are the reasons why God chose Noah to save, save mankind, but Noah was also a worshiper of God. And we're going to look at that this morning. And that's why we want to wait for some worship time at the end, just to be able to reflect on Noah's life and consider our own as well. Why would God save Noah and his family? Why would he do that? And I've often thought, would God save my family? Would God save me if I was in Noah's shoes? Maybe you ask yourself, would God save you and your family in the way that you live? What would cause God to consider saving a family when every thought, every inclination of all the rest of mankind was on evil things? Well, I ask myself the question, well, what does God want from us more than anything in this world? He wants our worship, doesn't he? God wants he desires our worship more than anything. And Noah was a worshiper. And you know what's interesting is that God is still looking for spiritual, true, genuine, authentic, worshiping hearts. He's looking over the earth, looking for men and women that will worship him. And you say, well, you know, show me where... where uh, Moses was a worshiper. I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 8. Genesis chapter 8, the waters receded, uh, the dry land is emerging, and then in chapter 8, verse 18, listen, it says, So Noah came out of the ark together with his sons and his wife and his wife and his sons' wives. All the animals and the creatures that moved along the ground and, the, and the, all the birds, everything that moved on the earth came out of the ark. And they're saying, thank the Lord, fresh air. Can you imagine? One kind after the other came out. But then listen to what Noah did. And we reflected about this a little bit over the summer. And you may remember, it says in verse 20, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord. Taking some of all the clean animals and the clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. What does an altar represent? Worship and sacrifice. And what's crazy is that all these animals exit off the ark. There's no promise of any uh, future for Noah other than what God had promised. And he's killing animals? Yeah, I'm thinking, if I was in his shoes, I'm saying, we want to be very careful that we can live and that we're going to have plenty of food and to provide for my family. But no, he sacrifices. And he gives up some of those first fruits. And he was a true worshiper at that moment. And you know what? God is still looking for true worshipers. You say, well, what does a true worshiper look like? Well, I, I want us to turn to John chapter 4. Great story, can't take all the time to look at it, but the story of the Samaritan woman that is talking with Jesus. And they're discussing worship, and they're discussing different types of worship and, uh, in the chapter, and, and uh, where they worship, in Jerusalem, or on the mountainside, and all these things. But when it boils down, in verses 23, listen to what it says. Jesus is talking here. He says, A time is coming, and has now come, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kinds of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. So how do true worshipers worship? How does it look? Well, it says here they worship in spirit and in truth. Now, some people get it wrong 
And they think, well, worship is all external. Some uh, elaborate, you know, a show of emotion or, you know, some show or elaborate expressions. That is worship. And I'd say, no, that's not what it says. It says they worship in spirit and in truth. Remember what we've been talking about in worship the last several weeks in our, in our worship, uh, corporate worship time? We've said that worship is our response to what we value most, right? Well, I want to expand that definition just a little bit. And I want to put it up on the screen, and then I'm going to ask a couple of volunteers to jump up. And I got a little bookmark uh, for each of you that I want you to tuck in your Bible, and I want you to keep in there to remind yourself of what worship is. And they're on the back. Um, uh, on the back, I don't see them back there. Oh, Joe's got them here. Do you got someone helping you? All right, good. All right. Uh, Joe and Amy, give it up for our great board members and wives. Yeah, absolutely. So you're going get to uh, get this here, but let's put it up here and so we can, we can dive into it. I want us to consider worship our, is our response, which we've talked about, both personal and corporate. So our worship is more than what just happens here on Sunday morning. We understand that. It's personal and corporate, and it's to God. And it's to God. We worship to God for who he is and for what he has done. And it's expressed in and by the things that we say and the way that we live. Let's just read that together. Worship is our response, both personal and corporate, to God for who he is and for what he has done, expressed in and by the things we say and the way we live. So what, what about Noah here? Noah, he steps off the ark. He builds an altar to God. And more than anyone at that time, he's saying, God, I know who you are. You spoke to me for 120 years, and I was faithful, and you were faithful to me. Noah knew that God created the heavens and the earth. He would have heard the stories from Adam all the way to his time. And he was able to understand all those things. How about for us? We get even an, an additional benefit. For us, we get to even look at the cross that Noah was unable to, to look at. We get to look at our Savior, Jesus, and we look at the cross. Although it was painful and cruel and rusted nails and agony, it was also wonderful. The cross was because of why Jesus was on the cross. So we can worship both personally and corporately, to God for who He is. We understand who God is as we look at Scripture, as we understand, as we dive in, and we, we look at who God is. But then it says, for what God has done. Just to put yourself in Noah's shoes for a moment. Noah had been saved. His family had been saved. Noah was entrusted with all mankind, the future of all mankind. God had done a miracle, and he had saved Noah's family. Noah had a lot to be thankful for, a lot to worship for, wouldn't you say? But you know, when we consider our stories, and what God has saved us from, how many know we have a lot to be thankful for too? I have been just encouraged lately hearing some of your stories. Um, uh, yesterday in membership class, one of the new members coming through, just hearing a little more of her story, it just reminded me of the power of salvation. God is a redeeming God. And it's so incredible as we share those stories. We come from different backgrounds, but God has saved us. He helps us. And we need to be mindful of those things, our testimony. And so I would say to you, what has God saved you from? And to be mindful of that as we consider our lives, the way we talk, 
the way we live. And the way we talk, the way we live, the, the last little bit of there is when you think of Noah, he builds an altar, he sacrifices. The way he lived his life was honoring to God. He was faithful. Now, was Noah perfect? Oh, no. If you read uh, beyond chapter 8 and into chapter 9, you see Noah at his finest. <laughs> and I encourage you to read that. We're not going to really look at that part of the story. But Noah was like us, but he was faithful, and God did put his hand on his life. Now, when we look at the story of Noah, it is very clear, as you understand the story of Noah and the ark, that there's a clear distinction in God's eyes between those that are righteous and those that live in wrongsciousness, if that's a word. Righteousness and open rebellion. And righteousness led to an ark that was full of mercy and grace and deliverance, right? On one side, the righteousness led to deliverance for his family. They were saved. On the other side was rebellion and evil. And what was the result of that? A flood. They covered the earth. It was judgment. In the story of Noah, you can't, uh, uh, you can't look at the story and not see those clear distinctions. And you know what's great about God? He doesn't change. And what's great about God is that he's still clear that judgment is coming. Lest your sins find you out. Right? God will not be mocked. You will reap what you sow. And if you sow to the sinful nature, you will reap from the sinful nature. And you know what's great is about the judgment of God uh, is that God's character is clear. It's in God's word. It's right there for us. The character of God does not change. And so there's judgment. And we understand that as God's people. God is a just God, but he is the judge. On the other side is grace. And you know what I love about God? God still provides a way out of your sin and out of my sin. And it comes from confession. And it's grace that comes. And we looked at that last week, Adam and Eve, and uh, the garments of grace and, and the protection of grace. And I encourage you, if you weren't here, to listen to that message and consider God's work in your life. If you're caught up in sin, tell someone. Confess your sin. Because out of your confession comes grace. God is a good God. He loves us. So we have this righteousness. We have the verses, the open rebellion. We have grace, and then we have judgment. Now, back to our worship. We are to worship in spirit. God is spirit, it says. We worship because of what God has done on the inside of us a spiritual birth on the inside of us. It's expressing the life of God inside of us. But we also not only worship in spirit, but we worship in truth. True worship begins at the cross. When we see Jesus hanging on the cross where the grace abounds and what God has done for us, our worship is in spirit and in truth. Now, our society, our church even, we are not that different from Noah's age. I would consider our, the way we live our lives, for many of us, to be even scary uh, in the way the things that we allow into our lives or into our homes. What little idols do we hang on to in the big picture of our lives? What sin do we allow? And you know, as I was thinking about our church and, and where, where God has us, and I was thinking about, you know, what is it about our church? We, we've got a mature uh, believers here, and, and many of you have been in church for most of your life and, and these things. But it's maybe not the sin, uh, you know, the, the outward sin, but maybe it's a sin inside your heart, an apathy or a contentment saying, well, it's just, you know, it's okay the way things are. Or you become stagnant in your worship. Or your, hard, or your heart has become hardened. And maybe you're cold. You know what? That's just as bad. It said that in Noah's time, they were 
eating and partying, getting married as if nothing was happening and the world was about to end up to that moment. And I would just say, the end is close. The signs are there. Boy, when you read scripture and you, you look at the natural disasters and what's happening in governments and, and uh, wars and rumors of war and uh, just all these things, the end is close. Are we going to be stagnant? Are we going to be hard-hearted? Are we going to be cold? Are we going to let sin have a grip on us? We need to consider the way we talk, the way we live. We need to find ourselves in Noah's story, longing to follow his example. I long for that in my life. And the word, the little phrase that came to me as I was praying and uh, I was encouraged by our, our board this week to, to just you know, consider you know, how, you know, that these messages are, are, are meaningful and, and powerful. And as I sat with, with what God was putting on my heart, the words that came to my mind were, Lord, awaken us. Lord, awaken us. Don't let us be like the people in Noah's age that were just going about their lives and then the flood came, totally unprepared. Awaken us. Awaken our worship. God is still looking for true worshipers. The fact is, is that sin affects every area of your life. And if there's sin in your life, we need to deal with that. Just this week, I, um, I can be honest with you. I'm usually pretty honest with you guys. I was, uh, Jessica and I, we were considering buying a new vehicle because of the amount of miles we're putting on our car, and uh, we were driving all over Kingdom Come as our kids are getting older, and we're like, we need something more gas conscious, and I get, I have the ability to get easily um, obsessed with, you know, tasks, <laughs> and especially if it's something I like, and I like cars a lot, and, uh, and so I have the ability to, you know, you know, get caught up and look at Craigslist and look at eBay and all these things. And, uh, and Jessica, I came home after work on Tuesday and, uh, and she's like, and I said, hey, there's a, there's a car I want us to look at. And she's like, she's like, did you get anything done at work today? I'm like, yes. And uh, we're taking a walk. And, uh, and she said, and, and I said something like, I didn't even look at cars today. And it just kind of like slipped out of my mouth. I'm like, and as soon as I said it, I'm like, well, that's a lie. <laughs> you know, I mean, I didn't a whole lot. <laughs> and then, you know, we're still walking along. And then and I said, yeah, and I talked to this guy at lunch. She's like, I thought you didn't deal with any cars today. And I was busted. <laughs> and I'll tell you, my sin caught up with me in that little moment. And I'm saying, what was I lying about? And you know what's crazy? Is that that little lie affected the rest of our night and the next day? I mean, it would probably affect yours too. Don't be looking at me like I... <laughs> and that's the way sin happens, doesn't it? It affects every area. If there's things hidden in your life, you're not going to relate with your family. You're not going to relate with your kids in a proper way. You're not going to be present at work in a proper way. And so we need to deal with the sin in our lives. And, and I apologize and ask the Lord to forgive me, of course. The fact is, is not only do we need to deal with the sin, but we need to realize that the day of Christ's return is close. He promised he's coming back for us. And we need to be ready. We need to be ready today. You know, right after uh, Matthew 24, if you look at Matthew chapter 25, it's a story of the ten virgins. And if you know the story, they were to be out there ready for the bridegroom to come with their oil uh, ready to go. And half of them missed it. And the fact is, is that we will miss it if we're stagnant, if we're not paying attention, if we're not dealing with the sin in our lives. And I thought this week, could it be 
that Moses wrote this story of Noah and the ark, reflecting on what really happened as an example for the Israelites at that moment, that they needed to get their hearts right with the Lord and to be ready for what God was going to do next. Could it be that Moses wrote that to encourage the Israelites in the desert to worship God and to worship him alone? And then I thought, boy, we certainly can glean that from, from this scripture, from this story, that we are to be true worshipers. And you know what I thought about? Worship is not a, a, a noun. It's a verb. There's action with it. It's not a show, and, and, but listen to the way that worship is described in scripture. At different times, worship is described as a shout unto God. We're encouraged to sing a new song, to dance before the Lord, to clap our hands, to bow down, to lift your heads, to lift your hands, to tell of his might. How about this? To stand in awe. So it's not all outward, but to stand in awe. How about this? To meditate on his truth, to strike up the band, to walk in his ways. Oh, that is challenging to still your heart, to cast down your idols. And I would say for us today, where we are, unless we see God, unless we worship him in spirit because he is spirit, but in truth, the truth of what happened, of his sacrifice and the pain and all of that, when we, when we understand what God has done in our lives, what will our response be? It should be natural, spontaneous. It should be true, spiritual. And I want to challenge myself today in my worship. Could I follow the example of Noah in worship today? Worship in spirit, worship in truth. And I want all of us to consider how are we doing? Last week I challenged you as we talked about sin, that if there is sin in your life, to tell someone. And I offered myself, I said, look, if, there's, if, you, if you can't find anyone else to tell, tell me and we'll be confidential and we'll work through and we'll pray and we'll ask God to help us. But again, I want to challenge you again that, that, that it's important to confess your sin because as you stand before God this morning, here in a few moments, as we consider corporate worship, coming together to, to bring a worship, our worship to the Lord, if your heart's not right, it's going to be, uh, it'll be insignificant. It'll be, um, I think the Bible says like a, a, a resounding gong. Bong, like that. That's all it is. And so, how are we doing? How am I doing? Lord, help us. I'm going to ask the worship team to come at this time. And I want you to prepare your hearts this morning for a time of worship. And we're going to sing a few songs. We're going to reflect on who God is. Reflect on creation. You've been reading through the book of Genesis. I'm really proud of many of you have already finished, which is cool, and you've already signed the, the bulletin board out or the, uh, the sign out in the lobby. Um, and for those that are new, we're encouraging everyone to read through Genesis and let God speak to you in that way. Um, so just reflect on the creation account. Reflect on God's grace as we, as we enter into worship this morning. And But then as well, I want you to consider your life. And it's very possible you are here this morning and you are away from God. Maybe there's some sin and you're here and you're saying, I need God's grace. And we're gonna, I'm going to come back and I'm going to challenge you to consider con your confession even this morning. But then more than even that, because most of us are mature believers and probably not facing huge areas of sin. I understand that. But would you consider your life in regards to being apathetic or just content with your walk with the Lord? Tony, we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. That I, 
can we consider where our hearts are? If our hearts are hardened, stagnant, are we cold? And I'm going to invite you to enter in. And again, the word that just was blazed in my mind was, Lord, awaken us. Help us. Awaken us. I'm going to ask that you would stand this morning. And I want you to close your eyes. I want you just to reflect on those words. Lord, awaken us. Awaken me. And just in your own way, just breathe that underneath your breath. Lord, awaken me. Help me. Awaken me, Lord, to your worship. Awaken me. Help me to follow Noah's example and to worship, to sacrifice. Let's worship the Lord in spirit and in truth, perhaps like we never have as a church together. Let's do that together. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Praise your name.
worship is our response, both personal and corporate, to God for who he is and for what he has done. I want you to hear a little bit of Wendy Allen's story here as we continue in our worship. Uh, I asked Wendy, I said, she's the one that's going through membership, and you can be seated if you want. Uh, she just shared a little bit, like an insight into her life that I was unaware of. And, uh, and so I asked her this morning, I said, hey, would you share just a bit, uh, however the Lord leads you? Because as we reflect on what God has done inside of us and why we worship, I want us just to be reminded uh, that God is uh, a saving, redeeming God. All right? Wendy? God has done in your life? Come on. God is so good. George? Stood on and took her to church. She, she said, "I wonder what he's doing. He's going to put us. Wonder where he's going. You know." The Lord just got me by the scruff of the neck, and I went to church with her. Awesome! <laughs> <laughs> I've been going ever since. Ah, <laughs> praise the Lord! <laughs> I didn't know God, but God knew me. Amen. And uh, and uh, and that was in uh, oct- that was in October twentieth, nineteen. 79. Wow, yes. The Lord said, come, awesome. come with me. He knew me, but I didn't know him. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and, and this month, next week, we're going to celebrate our 57th wedding anniversary. All right. God is good. Amen. 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 Isn't it good what God does? It's good to hear. We were once lost, but now we're found for those of us that have accepted Jesus as our Savior. Anyone else want to share? Yeah, Judy. Well, I'm one of those miracles, actually, the way I look at it. 
because when I was four, my mother died, and my dad left us. And when I was, um, I was probably in about 10, 12 different homes. One of those sexually abused places, one of those places where we were beaten, I mean literally beaten, and watched things that happened, and not enough food, not enough to eat, not enough anything. And one day this lady put us on the bus and sent us home to my grandmother, mm. who kept us for three years. She didn't even know we were coming. My dad was an alcoholic. I married into alcoholism, had five kids, beautiful children who love me, and I love them dearly. Yes. They are actually the light of my life, really, because they're always there for me. And I just want to share, because I look at myself that I can, I wish from school to school to school to school, that I can even read. I praise God for that. Sure. Because there was no one there to teach you. I mean, you look at me today, and you never, ever know that. Because I love God, I know who I am in God, and nobody can take that away Amen. from me. Amen. Nobody. Awesome. Praise, Lord. Praise God. Amen. Yeah. You know, you know, I grew up in the church. I was explaining to the membership class yesterday that uh, I kind of grew up in a family. Uh, we were kind of like the leave it to beavers on Christian steroids. That's kind of how I describe my family sometimes. And we were always in church and, you know, we were, you know, we were the vase, you know, it's just, that's who we were. And there's families like that around here. You're just always around and it's great. And it's, that's a godly heritage. Uh, um, I've shared parts of my story before, but uh, if we're not careful, sin can grab us. And uh, even with, you know, the greatest testimony is that God has saved us from all kinds of corruption. Uh, we have a testimony. And uh, I just want to challenge us that as we consider what God has done in our lives, whether we're young or whether we're old, what will our response be to God? I want us to close our time today first by asking if there's anyone here that needs to get your heart right with the Lord. You're away from God today and you need uh, his, his saving touch to touch you. And uh, I'm just going to, I'm going to ask that you would uh, raise your hand if that's you. And we want to pray for you. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Anybody else? And yeah, that's me. moment of honesty saying, Lord, Lord, save me. Help me. Yeah. Okay. All right. We've got two guests with us. I haven't even met them yet. I don't want to embarrass you, but if you're, God is pulling on your hearts, we want to come around you today and pray with you. And uh, I'm going to ask a some godly women would surround this young lady and some godly men would surround this young man. And uh, you're not here by accident today. And God wants to touch and to move and to work in your lives. He's a redeeming God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray for this couple and pray for ourselves as well. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, that you are a saving God. Thank you, Lord, that you have taken us from the miry clay, Lord, you've lifted us up, God, and you've set us on a rock. Thank you, Lord, for your saving grace. Thank you, Lord, that no matter what we've done, there's nothing that we've done that will keep us from your love. Lord, so we call upon you this morning. And Lord, we ask, Holy Spirit, move in our lives today. Take away our sin, God. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Lord, help us. Help us, God. Help us to know your will for our lives. And Lord, I pray specifically for this 
uh, for these two individuals. God, I pray that you would just touch them with, by your power today. Lord, as they call upon you, Lord, that you just fill them with your Holy Spirit. Lord, that you would overflow in their lives. And Lord, we just rejoice with what you are doing in their lives and in their hearts. And God, we just honor you. We honor you, Lord, for that. We honor you, Lord. We lift you up in Jesus' wonderful name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. I talked about something else that has really been on my heart uh, lately as well this morning. Just the fact that as believers, sometimes we come to church and things just, you know, are status quo. Uh, just, you know, we go through the motions. We, we all at times, I, I think, find ourselves there. Uh, maybe just hard-hearted or cold to the things of God. And I just want to challenge you and I want to challenge myself to be, to allow God to just awaken our spirits. That we would indeed worship with what we say, with the way that we live, the, where we go. Worship is not just here in this setting. You know that. Worship is our life. That's what we were created to do. And if you feel like you're apathetic or just uh, content or in a rut, or if you feel like uh, you need a, maybe a supercharge this morning, um, I'm going to ask that you would just stand right where you are and just say, God, touch me, awaken my soul this morning. And I want us to sing one more song and then, uh, but I want you to respond. If you're serious, if you're saying, yeah, that's me, would you just stand right where you are? Yeah, thank you for your honesty. Who else? Yeah, this morning would say, yep, that's me. God, I need you to touch my life. Awaken me. Awaken me. Awaken us, God. Awaken us, Lord. Touch us, God. Lord, we don't want to be just status quo. Soften our hearts. Open our hearts, God. In Jesus' name. Let's all stand and let's finish our time lifting up the name of the Lord with one more worship song. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, God. We worship you, God. I worship you. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Oh! 